The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Oops, oops, oops. <laughs> you are listening to the Burrows of Berea. Side Studies. Welcome back to the Burrows of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my left is Billy Eye Candy Kimsey. Body like rock candy. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's more like a peep. <laughs> oh, I like that. A little A little peep. Come on now, Ralph. You said a little peep. <laughs> yeah. That's what they're called. <laughs> Straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks, the big peep. <laughs> Represent. <laughs> behind the glasses, Andy Bishop, the Rocket Man. I, I like that solemn represent. It's very yeah, solemn. Yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, it was just like locked down a very solemn represent. I, yeah. always, I always appreciate it for yeah. some reason. So, uh, <laughs> well, we do not have Sarita. We do not have uh, Cherry Lewis. They are both gone on Boys church night. events. Yeah. Yep. A little it's, testosterone room here. <laughs> that's right. Testies, testies. <laughs> One, two, three. That was my you mic can tell by the tonight. jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of jokes, great segue. I got one for you. No, what a shocker. <laughs> so these guys are walking through a park, and they both happen to be Christians, you know, and they're just hanging out, you know. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they see this mountain lion. And they're like, look, it's a mountain lion. Like, I can't believe it. Like, this is something you don't see every day, right? And suddenly the lion turns and looks at them. And then just starts chasing them, you know? And so these guys are like, oh no, like the lion's going to kill us. And one of them screaming is like, Lord, please make that lion a Christian. (laughs) And so the lion stops, bows his head and says, Lord, please bless this food I'm about to eat. Man. Oh, man. Have you seen that I like video? That. I don't have to outrun the lion. I just have to outrun you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That yeah. is true. There's so. there's this video. This hiker is like, uh, I don't know, he's probably in Colorado or somewhere. And uh, he's being followed. He's on like a dirt road somewhere. He's being followed by a mountain lion. Mm-hmm. And it is like closely in the mountain lions like growling and stuff. And, and he he lived, I can't remember how it worked out, but but it's like the most terrifying thing. Yeah. Because he's just being stalked like outwardly by a mountain lion. And it is scary as hell. Wow. I've seen the TikTok where the guy's snowboarding and he's being chased by oh, by, right. a, by a grizzly bear, oh. but he doesn't know it. Oh, like, yeah, I like, saw that. Oh, yeah. He's just going down the mountain like, rock on, bro. And there's this, this bear just chasing him. He has no idea. <laughs> That's a bad time to wreck. Because <laughs> he's, yeah, he's right. got that, you know, the selfie stick, you know, and he's oh, just yeah. like looking at stuff like sports cameraing it up, loving it. And it goes on for quite some time. Oh, my God. Yeah, this bear's chasing him. And anyway. I, and I never run from two-legged cougars. No. Never. <laughs> never. <laughs> <laughs> it is boys' night. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Ah, come on. He doesn't have to run because the type that chased him are in a chair. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's try to segue out of that one somehow. Oh, yeah. So, anyway. Take us out of this hole. We're in the second part 
of what we call the prequel to the uh, Seven Feasts of Yahweh. This is going to be a series that we do over the course of a year. So we're right now, we're recording in July. So we won't finish this until next July, but we'll just throw them in every now and then amongst, you know, some of the stuff of if maybe if the girls have something to do or somebody's missing, we'll just, you know, we'll throw it in there. Especially we were in the midst of a, you know, a deep study. I want to keep everybody together, try to stay together with it. So, and so the prequel, what we did in part one, we're talking about the Sabbath. And so far we've given you two views and tonight we're going to get into third. And so let's just, as a recap, let's get back into what those two views were so that we know what we're getting into, what we think the third view is in this. So the first view we said was the Sabbath still stands and is still on Saturday. And the second one is that the Sabbath still stands, but was changed to Sunday. And we talked about how the second one isn't necessarily biblical. You can't really do that. You can't just say, well, all of a sudden it changed because they started doing things on the Lord's day. Uh, the true reality of this is that the Sabbath is on a Saturday. Um, the Adventists are correct in regard to the Sabbath being on a Saturday. It is. Um, however, and I'm probably going to get some hate mail, but the reason I feel like they're not correct is because of the third view, which is this. The Sabbath is fulfilled in Christ, who is our Sabbath rest. It is the only commandment of the Ten Commandments that's not actually taught in the New Testament. The Old Testament, the the other nine commandments were taught in the new, in the new covenant way. Okay, so this particular view sees it like this: Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Tuesday, for that matter. Um, they're all the same to God. Now, with the new covenant and the new relationship we have with God, with the Holy Spirit, that our minds should be kept holy. We should be thinking on holiness every single day, and that the rest that it talks about is our faith in God, because that's what the rest was for, was to test the faith of those who were the chosen people of God. Do not gather more than you're supposed to gather on the sixth day. I will provide enough for you on that sixth day to where you don't have to do anything for yourself on that Saturday. That is, that's the type or the shadow of what the Sabbath was for. Don't work. I'm your God. I'll do it for you, which is what we know now that Christ did for us, right? He did it for us, all right? So, the Sabbath commandment has been fulfilled, superseded, done away with, and absolutely nailed to the cross. So, Christians right now will meet on a Sunday, okay? Not because it's the Sabbath, but simply because it's convenient. Mm -hmm. That's really what it's about. We don't work, you know, some people work on Sundays. Some people have to work on Sundays. I have a shop that runs seven days a week, 24 hours a day. That means that I have people that work on Sundays, you know? And so, trust me. I mean, I've had people talk to me about that. Like, you ought not be open. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, I've got a lot of customers and they have a lot of needs and we have to do what we have to do. That's what we do. But I'm not under that Old Testament law. But those people don't work seven days a week either. They work three days a week or four days a week. They work less than most people. They just have to work on a day that some people, you know, separate as holy. Where did Wednesday not come in? I have no idea. Wednesday night? What? Well, churches today mostly are Sunday morning service. Oh, yeah, Wednesday service. Yeah, yeah. I always just assumed it was because, you know, it was the the middle of the week. Yeah, Yeah. just kind of. Hump day. They call it refueling, re-energizing. You know, we're leaky vessels, so after Sunday... What are you laughing about? <laughs> Nothing. So I, can only, no, I, yeah, I can only hold three days of faith at a time. I'm sorry. That's the most. Yeah, that's why we do this on Thursdays because after, you know, I run out pretty fast after Wednesday. <laughs> on so, But here's the, here's the part, guys, that it gets a little bizarre. 
All right, so I'm going to ask you, Ralph. You, I know you've read the notes, but I want to see. Do you believe that heaven and earth have passed away? You're asking a guy that doesn't believe in heaven and hell and earth the way everybody else does. Oh, that's probably a good thing. Do you believe that heaven and earth have passed away, Billy? Hmm. I don't know. No? Okay. Can you frame that for me? Because I don't even understand that question. Well, it's a pretty simple question. Do you believe that heaven and earth have passed away? What do you mean by passed away? Has it has it been done? Has heaven and earth been done? Are they dead? Have they passed away? Are they are they gone? I mean, earth is here. Right. And heaven and- I can't testify <laughs> to that. <laughs> but so I would say I would say no. Right. All right. right. So, okay, what about you, Rick? Yes, um, there you go. Absolutely. Heaven and earth have passed away. Is this is this backing up your all of it discourse? Yeah. You're going back to the eschatology that I believe in. Okay. And there's a specific reason why. Not only the reason why I think that my eschatology is correct and better than what it used to be, which what it was for years and years and years, it's because it actually follows what the scripture says. Because if the law has been done away with, if we know that it's been fulfilled and the law has been done away with, the only way that could have happened is if heaven and earth had passed away. And I'll tell you why. It's because it's something Jesus says. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, listen closely to what Jesus says. This is the fifth chapter of Matthew. The Olivet Discourse is in the 24th chapter of Matthew, all right? So this is early on. Jesus says, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. So this verse is really critical. It's so almost like all saying, is accomplished, and you're saying that that, is, that prophecy has been fulfilled, so all has been accomplished. Yes, I'm saying that Christ fulfilled it. It's all been accomplished. The Mosaic age was fully consummated and went into the new Messianic age. That is what I believe. I believe that when Christ died, that the veil of the temple was rent, because the scripture says it was, and that that had a meaning. Why was the veil of the temple rent? Think about that. So why is the, what is the, what is the veil of the temple being rent? What, what is the significant about that, Ralph? I don't know. So the veil of the temple behind it is where the mercy seat was and where the sacrificial blood was going. Christ was dying on the cross and being the final sacrifice. The one true sacrifice. What is rent? Ripped. Torn. Okay. To be torn and ripped apart. Uh, rent's that thing that you got to pay every month, man. It's really, really high right now. No. So, what's going on is that the veil, which where the Holy of Holies was, was ripped in two. So, now the Holy of Holies was available. But also in the temple, it says the tabernacle of the Old Testament used to travel around with the people. And God's presence was with the tabernacle and the Holy of Holies. So that was God moving around with his people. Then Solomon built the temple, and then God's presence came there into the temple in the Holy of Holies. He was there. But at this point, whenever Christ dies on the cross, suddenly the veil that covers the Holy of Holies is ripped open, and he's no longer there because the presence of God was leaving 
the nation that killed his son. That's what was going on. That's what you're watching is that transaction that Christ gives. Now there's a, there's a purpose. And we learn that on Pentecost. What happens on Pentecost? There's a fire. The Spirit of God comes into the people, into, into the believers of Christ. It sits they on speak. the people. Yeah. That's exactly right. The cloven fire, the cloven yeah. tongues of fire over their head. They're speaking in other languages. Now the Spirit of God is with man. So, so the representation. So, go ahead. Sorry. You say what happens on Pentecost? Was it a date or a holiday or something originally? Yes. Yeah, sorry. And that will be one of the feasts that we're going to get into, the seven feasts of Yahweh. Uh-huh. So Pentecost, um, after Passover, which we talked about, Jesus was crucified on Passover, Passover uh-huh. resurrected on the, the day of first fruits, which is another feast. There's the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, then Pentecost. Okay? okay. And Pentecost is the 50th day after Passover. And so on that specific day, after Christ was resurrected on the first fruits, then on Pentecost, the Spirit of God comes and he actually anoints them from on high and they're able to prophesy and speak and, okay, and so, do all these things. Okay, wild. So that's, yeah, that's a neat thing I didn't know. Right. Yeah. So on that particular day, that's when God comes and now he is with the people. So now he travels around with the people again, kind of like the, the tabernacle did. But instead of the Holy of Holies being separate, the Holy of Holies is now inside of you. You see what I mean? So the old covenant, we talked about that in the Olivet Discourse, the old covenant, the heaven and earth that it's talking about is literally God with his people. That's the heaven and earth. And, and Jesus said, until heaven and earth pass away, not one, not one dot, not dot of the I or the cross of the T will pass from the law until all of these things are accomplished. So in other words, if he didn't fulfill it, then the law is still in effect and we better start getting to sacrificing some bulls pretty soon because that means that it was not fulfilled. So my eschatological view actually works, whereas a future view, you're going to have to really work on me a little bit to get me to see it in another way, right? So it's so important to understand what heaven and earth is. And remember, we can't interpret the New Testament without the Old Testament. We've talked about that. They work together in conjunction with one another. So you have to. Yeah, have they reference the New Testament references or alludes to the Old Testament enough that yeah, well, it's I th- I assuming think, making the assumption that you have that information. That's right. I think you also need to interpret. I, th- I think you need to study history and know about the times. And I think looking at some of the books that uh, are not in the Bible that weren't accepted, that were still written by people, I think a lot of that. Uh, uh, sheds light on uh, what was going on at the time and how things uh, were, and it gives you understanding on how to interpret some of the things. Because that's actually what we're all in doing. There isn't uh, a person on earth living uh, that knows the exact interpretation of the Bible because we are humans and we've all been interpreting these things for a couple of thousand years. Yeah, I mean, and, and what most of what we're interpreting, we didn't find for three hundred. Yeah. No, you're right. And it, it that is the difficulty of the Bible. It really is. And if anybody really gets in deep, it doesn't take long to start feeling like you're going insane. You know what I mean? Have you ever done that, Ralph? Like you study so much and you're like, ah, and nobody's right. And I don't care anymore. You know, you yeah, feel there that are days way. it's like, I just want to give up. I'm like, okay, I don't even think I know anything now. Yeah, that I felt that way. But then like, I just have this passionate love for the, I love it. You know, I see the New Testament as the primer for the old. It's it's the one that unlocks what it means, like for for the the covenant of God, like why he did the old covenant was the shadow of things. Paul talks about it, and also the letter of Hebrews says that it was a shadow, it was a copy, it was a type. The old testament was a type of what the new covenant would be, and all of the new covenant was fulfilled 
in God's Son, Christ. That's what's going on. That's what the Bible is. And the New Testament is the primer for that. And it's really wild. Like you start to fulfill the prophet, you know, you know, and you read that prophecy and you're like, it's not talking about Christ, you know? And you're like, what do you mean? Do you remember like whenever Jesus was being born, for instance, and Matthew says that um, in order to fulfill what the prophet said, out of Egypt, I have called my son. So you go back into Hosea and you read it, and Hosea is calling Israel his son and how he originally pulled Egypt, how originally pulled Israel out of Egypt and called him his son. That's what he's talking about. But Matthew's saying the fulfillment, the actual fulfillment of the prophecy was the Christ child being pulled out of Egypt whenever Joseph took him down to escape Herod and then they came back, that that was the fulfillment because Christ is the anti-type of the type of Israel. Christ is the new Israel. We are the new Israel, the ones that are in Christ. We'll get into it a little bit more, guys, but it won't be in this one, okay? In, uh, in the book, Theonomy and Christian Ethics, uh, author Greg Bonsett kind of puts it this way. He says, it is the point of slightness that Jesus is bringing forcefully before us. Not even the very least extensive number of the very least significant aspect of the Old Testament law will become endowed until heaven and earth have passed away. It is hard to imagine how Jesus could have more intently affirmed that every bit of the old law remains binding in the gospel age. He's right. That what Jesus said was there not even the smallest stroke of the law is going to pass until I fulfill it. I didn't come to abolish it. I came to fulfill it. So because Christ says that he fulfills it, he is the antitype of all of the things in the Old Testament that are the shadow. So the feasts are a shadow. The tabernacle was a shadow. All of the ceremonies were a shadow. All of it was a shadow of what Christ would be, the fulfillment of all of it. Jesus tells them, you search the law and you search the prophets, yet they testify of me. That's what he's telling them. You're reading this Old Testament. It's actually talking about me. Here I am. I'm right in front of you. You know, it's it's pretty wild. So, you have to look at the Mosaic Law as an entire unit. Like, the Mosaic Law is a unit. And it's either a full unit or it isn't at all. Like, that's how God puts it. So, you can't slice and dice it. So, what's the—can you define the Mosaic Law for me? Yeah, the Mosaic Law, it's the Old Covenant, but in the Mosaic Law, the Torah— uh-huh. In Exodus, when he goes on the mountain, he gives the Ten Commandments. He also does the Levitical laws uh-huh. and all of the laws of the people that they're supposed to follow. That happened during the time of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. Yeah. So those are the laws that Jesus is talking about. But he's also talking about the prophets. But when you say the Mosaic law, it means all of those laws. All of those laws. Yeah, the okay. laws from all Moses. of them. Okay. Yeah, six hundred and thirteen oh, of them. I was having is I was thinking of a mosaic. Oh yeah, no, no, okay. Moses. Yeah, and Moses I was is like, law. Moses. Okay, the so that's where my brain was like, Mosaic law. What does that mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. No, I get okay. you. Yeah. It sometimes you know I use other words like covenantal law or old covenant or mosaic <laughs> or Tanakh or whatever. They're all the kind of the same thing. The Tanakh is the law and the prophets and the Psalms. Yeah. You know, and so or we can say the Old Testament. I just hate saying the Old Testament because it's very relevant. It's the first testament. It's the original testament, and then Christ brought the new one. Right. So, if we know that Jesus said that he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it, let's look at the word fulfill exactly. Let's see what he means by that. All right. So, the Greek word pleru is used in the New Testament, especially by Matthew, 17 times. And all in 15 of the 17 refers to the prophecy being fulfilled or coming to pass or to happen. So, Jesus is saying that 
I will fulfill the law. When I do that, then it will be complete. That's why the veil of the temple was ripped. That's why he warned that the temple and ceremonies were going to be destroyed because the mosaic age mm-hmm. was coming to a close. Yeah. Okay. And the cool. messianic Messiah was coming into fruition. It was beginning. Yeah, that's cool. That so that's sense. what's happening. All right. So that that's what we were talking about. If you guys want to know what I was talking about, we have a very unfinished all of it discourse because we stopped it a little early. I'll come back to it one day. So let's we're going to be doing a study on Hebrews coming up, guys, um, after we finish Esther. And for the rest of this episode, I'm going to be using Hebrews to describe what it is that I'm talking about, this third view, that Christ is our Sabbath rest, okay? And he, the letter of Hebrews is incredible because it talks about the Old Testament, and it breaks out certain aspects of it, and then it shows you how Christ is the better way, that He's the actual antitype. He's the fulfillment of those Old Testament laws. He tells us how it's done. That's why I love that book, because it really shows you how it works, all right? So, in order to fulfill the law, the law has been fulfilled. And so, in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 18, listen to what the author says, who we're trying to figure out in our side study. But Billy doesn't care. (laughs) For on the one hand, there is a setting aside of a former commandment because of its weakness and uselessness. That's a bold statement. Yeah, that's a pretty bold statement. Think about it, man. Like that dude, if somebody had read it right then, they'd have killed him on the spot for what he said, saying that the former commandment was weak and useless. So that's pretty bold, all right? So the setting aside, when the author, when this author says on the one hand, there is a setting aside of a former commandment, the Greek word, the Greek word, or it's actually a verb, it's athetesis, right? And it's actually a legal term in Greek, and it points to the complete cancellation of a commandment in question. And in this one, he's talking about the Mosaic law. So he's saying it's actually canceled, canceled. And so the same verse or the same verb that uh, adathesis or athetesis is used again. Listen in uh, Hebrews 9, 26. Otherwise, he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the consummation of the ages, he has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So the, when, the, when the Mosaic law is fulfilled... That means that the absoluteness of sin is being put away. In other words, Christ is fulfilling it. And that's why John was able to say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He literally takes it away in himself for those who trust in it, for those who trust in him. Okay? So now, in the book of Galatians, Paul talks about this a little bit, about what the law was for. So remember, we're just talking about the Sabbath here, but we're talking about all law. And so this third view of stating that there is a Sabbath rest in Galatians 3, listen to what Paul says, that it's been, that, that Christ has come and that the law has been brought to its completion. That's what he's saying. So listen, therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ. That's the purpose. You get it? The law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Listen to what he just said. You are no longer under the tutor. Therefore, you're not under the law. And like I said, you can't dissect the law. 
Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> I was thinking if we're no longer under the Tudors, then we're under the Stuarts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So. I don't, I don't get it. I'm sorry. Henry VIII was a yeah. Tudor. Oh. Henry VIII. Okay. Yeah. You got to be, you got to know your old uh, English history here. So, if, if they were able to say in the Old Testament that Jesus has fulfilled this, that is that we're no longer under under the tutor, and that they were talking about something is about to happen. It's coming really close. It's coming fast. It's coming near. Something's happening. Something's going to happen. What did I tell you happened in seventy A.D.? That was fulfilled. The temple was destroyed, and Jerusalem was destroyed. So when that happened, the Mosaic law and economy, all sacrifices, everything ended. So everything that this New Testament, remember, we're reading other people's mail, everything that that they're saying back in there, and they're saying, not only is he fulfilling it, but we're about to see its consummation. We need to, guys, hang on to the faith. Hold on to the faith. You're going through persecution. This is really hard. I get it. You guys aren't observing the Sabbath anymore. What's going on? Go back to the Judaic law. What are you talking about? You You guys need to be doing what we do. And some people were, they were getting beat to death and they're like, okay, we're going to go back to being a Jew again. I'm going back to what I was doing. And he was like, no, do not know. How can we neglect so great a salvation? Is all this making sense to you? Like they're actually separating themselves from the Mosaic economy and they're being destroyed by the people that are of the Mosaic economy, but also by the Romans who don't like this new offshoot, offshoot. offshoot sect. So this is a hard time for these people. And they're saying, don't worry, hang on, hang on. It's about to happen. It's coming. Yeah. I'm coming quickly. That's, that, that's why you feel like it's happening so fast. So once that does happen, then heaven and earth have passed away. Therefore, in Revelation, it talks about a new heaven and a new earth. Oh, this ain't new heaven, new earth. There's a spiritual way of looking at this. And remember what Christ taught was that we are born of the spirit. We're going into the spiritual realm now. Now, I've got a lot of people that are going to argue this point, and that's fine. You can. But if that law isn't fulfilled, then you better start sacrificing goats, man. I'm sorry. You're going to have to because until because all that's is the other fulfilled. Thing says, yeah. He says, oh, my phone just died, I think. No, it's still good. It's still good. All right. So, we know the phrase until heaven and earth pass away refers to the duration of the old covenant's authority. That's what it actually means, the old covenant's authority. So Jesus is saying that not a single item of the law, the old covenant will ever be changed until the duration of the old covenant's authority is done. And that's what's going on. Matthew 5, 18, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. All right? So that is what's going on with the new heaven and the new earth. Okay, so can you sum that up for me? Sum up what part? That this. So I got lost in there, and I was part? paying attention. Uh, okay, so this is all about how Jesus is saying the fourth commandment is like the one that they're not going to worry about anymore, right? No, he said all of the he said all of the Mosaic law. So until all of this is passed, until uh-huh. I come, the second coming, and I fulfill the prophecy, which Rick uh, Amanda says is the the seventy years A.D. Uh, that uh, I've fulfilled everything. Uh-huh. So now none of it is, and and I have a new covenant okay. with you. Okay. Now uh, Rick uh, says in 
this, if you read the notes and if you listen to what we talked about earlier, that he doesn't talk about this particular commandment uh, after this in, in his teachings, but he Just does talk about the other nine yeah. commandments. So he's saying that the other nine are still going to go forward, but because he doesn't talk about the fourth one, uh, that, that that one's not going to go forward because everything has been fulfilled unless he speaks it anew. Well, and it's not. So, so yeah, is that sorry, true for, that's true for other law though? Other, other, uh, so the, Judaic cere- law? the ceremonial laws and all uh-huh. of those things, Christ actually gives you a new ceremony. Okay. He he has you know this is the bread which is my body and I break it or this is the wine this is the blood of my covenant and as often as you do this do it in remembrance of me. There's your ceremony. Okay. 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 Then you have I don't know where but I just like something in there I just I just glassed over. Well, I think I I think it happened for me too when I was listening to it. It's a lot of information. When I was reading the first time because I was getting stuck on the. Uh, on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. instead of remembering that at, at this point where he talks about it, he says that we have a new covenant and all the old law, all the Mosaic law. So everything that's come before now is behind us, and now yeah. we move forward. And then everything that Christ mm-hmm. talks about is the moving forward, which he does talk about the nine commandments, just not that particular one. Yeah. And then there will be other things that he talks about. Okay, I feel like I've I feel like I'm kind of caught up. Yeah, because like so like when Jesus comes and he does the Sermon on the Mount. That is, that's kind of like the same as when Moses goes up on a mountain and he gets the law from God. Uh-huh. So that's yeah. a shadow even of the of like a, t- a type. God talks to man and he gives him his law and he goes on a mountain and he gets it and he gives to his people. Christ goes up onto a mountain and he gives his Sermon on the Mount. And if you want to know what the new covenant laws are for you, then go read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew that's 5 where through that 7. Comes from. He says, uh, it is said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say... That if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, then you've already committed adultery. So he's taking it to the heart of the matter. That's even harder. So he took it to saying, the next level. What is the text surrounding that? Because I would read that as, look, this is practically this is practically impossible. And I mean, good job. That's yeah. Not, you just not, got al- it. Not almost impossible, but impossible is, in practical terms. If you hate yeah. your brother, it's the same as committing murder in your heart. Yeah. You're right. See, what Christ is saying is that perfection is what's needed. At the end of the sermon, he says, be therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. He wasn't joking. He meant it, every word of it. What you learn is that he was the only one that could. He actually did. And he's the only one that could because he was literally from God, like God incarnate. So that's the only way that it would work. And so for the rest of us who try but fail, we understand that because we trust in what Christ did and we accept that, that what Christ did, His grace was so sufficient for us that the only thing that's seen is what Christ did, not what we did. Because we ask Him, Lord, I want, I want to know you. I want to get up there and I want to know you. Like, I want to get up in that place and I want to see this, man. I want to see those angels. Hmm. That got that bum gig that we talked about, you know, that just hang out saying the same thing all the time. I'm not one of those ones that wants to see him because I just know he's going to be giving this look of, uh, yeah, I don't know how you got in here, but. uh, (laughs) Was your father mean to you, Ralph? (laughs) (laughs) No, I just. He is an ex Catholic, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I'd I'd say that's pretty consistent. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, so I'm gonna uh, let's wrap this episode up real quick. I mean, I, I actually have a whole lot more. We probably could do a third one, but I don't want to because I want to get into the feast later. I think it's just important to understand that the Sabbath was a type. Just like I said, he's the fulfilling of all things. 
Christ is the fulfillment of all things. And when he warns us in the Olivet Discourse, which you find actually in Luke as well, he talks about the armies that surround and that all those things have to place until all these things that were written will be fulfilled. He's literally talking about the entire, you know, prophetic vision, everything, the law, all of it being fulfilled. Christ knew exactly what he was talking about. He was not joking, and it happened. That is my opinion. So, the Sabbath is a type. So, keeping the Sabbath holy was refraining from physical work. We know that. That's what it said, right? So, doing physical work was the only way that one could break the Sabbath in Israel. It wasn't about going to synagogue. It was literally about not doing any work. So, it says... um, We read that in uh, Exodus 16. Now, it came about on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, then he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and then all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. So they did. They put it aside until morning, as Moses had ordered, and it did not become foul nor were there any worms in it. In other words, God kept it mm-hmm. so that it would be ready for them so that they could do what he asked of them, which was to rest. So he says, eat it today for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. And it came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. Remain every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on that seventh day. So that's what's going on. This was the time whenever God was giving manna. Yeah. You know, the what is it? The what is it? The what is it? You know, put on the ground. And on the sixth day, he doubled it. And then they could keep it. And the next day it wouldn't rot. So they could still eat. The whole point was they could rest and know that their God provided for them. That's the lesson. That's the lesson. So if I wish it's I could a get type, paid double on Saturday, on right? Friday. That's what I'm double talking time about. Double Fridays, baby. That's nothing. You know what? Because you're going to love what I'm getting ready to get into. Because the Sabbath itself, it's the sign, right? It's the sign of that covenant. And here's what's cool. And then you know, I my phone's going to die, and I'm not going to be able to do this. I have notes. Okay, I need them. All right, so Ralph comes prepared for yeah, the, he can for the print audience. it off. I yeah, didn't. he does. I did not print off. So, thank you. Um, what What's really cool is that the Sabbath itself, so on the sixth day, you, you, you gather double, and then you have your seventh day of rest. Well, guess what? They have a Sabbath year. So, for six years, you labor, and on the seventh oh year, you don't labor at all. How does mm. that work? Now we're talking. Now we're oh, that's <laughs> nothing. That's nothing. Get ready. Wait till you get to... Wait to the Jubilee. To get 50. <laughs> yeah. So here's so on, on the actual yearly Sabbath that happens on the seventh year, you don't harvest anything. God says, I will provide everything you need for the full year. You let that ground rest. You don't till it. You don't work it. You let it rest. I will provide for you for one full year. That's a faith thing, right? Well, then on the seventh, seventh of 49th, after 49 years. Can I hire Joseph uh, for the few years before that? Right. Yeah. When you get to the 50th year, it's called the year of Jubilee. And all Israelites, the debts that they've occurred are forgiven. And they go back to the original place that they used to live and they get their land back. 
<laughs> did they Every really 50 do years, that? And they did it. That's wild. Yes, they did. Wow. And guess what? When Christ stood up and said that this is the year of the Lord, the year of the Lord, the year of the Lord, when Christ proclaimed it, was the year of Jubilee. So what if so a he was canceling the debt of anyone that believed in him? What if a non-Jew now held that land? They might be a little touchy about that. <laughs> nope. If you're going to get some land, you first They're of all, called a Palestinians non- today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, he's so right, though. The non-Jew doesn't own any of the the actual land that was promised by God. That's kind of the idea that they believe in that God gave them the promised land. Yeah. So the so, Jews, so ostensibly, they just would only. Sell their land to other Jews. If other they were Jews. Really that's sell. correct. Yeah. Yep. And okay. then, uh, if they had to, or if they, you know, if they had to work and they they became a slave, for instance, they were a slave to another person because they owed them a huge debt and they had to work it off. At if it, a year jubilee hit, they were forgiven. Oh wow! Yeah. So huh. they were no longer slave. They had to be let free, and that's what would happen. Now, um, Jeremiah talks about how they didn't do that. Remember, they were supposed to release the slaves that God said, and then they didn't. And so God said, fine. And he sent the Babylonian empire and destroyed their temple and their everything and sucked them out of the land, took the land away from them. So yeah, so the Sabbath guys, of the three views, the third view, in my opinion, and there's more in the New Testament that we could get into. And I'm just, you know, I, we don't have time. I mean, we could, and maybe I will in the future, but basically what's going to happen is that Paul is going to talk about entering into the rest, that Christ is our Sabbath rest. What is it that, what is it that Jesus says? Come ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Christ is that rest. And that is the only commandment that is not spoken of in the new covenant. It's never mentioned other than that Christ is our Sabbath rest. So it's my opinion that the Sabbath no longer matters as far as the law is concerned, but it matters in every way to a believer because Christ is the actual Sabbath to us. It's the faith that God will provide and literally give us a rest so that we don't have to try to enter in on our own because we can't. We literally don't have the ability without Him. And it really is that simple. People make Christianity to be so much worse than it really is. What is it that... uh, I remember somebody used to quote this to me. It was something that Gandhi used to say. Oh, he says, I like your Christ. I don't really like your Christians. Yeah. And yeah. it's really interesting. I've seen that bumper sticker and I'm like, yeah, I kind of I kind of get I, it. I like, think the bumper sticker is Lord save me from your followers. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, boy, isn't that true, right? I mean, there's the there's that. But yeah, so as we go in through this, uh, we start talking about the feasts of Yahweh. Um, going throughout the next year. Each one of those feasts are exactly like I just described the Sabbath. They're a, they're a shadow or a type of what Christ will fulfill. We know what Passover was because we know about the crucifixion. We know the day of unleavened bread because Christ gave up his body. He broke it for us. We know that. The first fruits, which is the first thing that's raised. He was the first fruits, the first fruit of many brethren, right? The first of all that slept. He was the first fruits. We know that Christ says that. Pentecost, when the Spirit comes, we know that. The Day of Atonement, the the Feast of Tabernacles. Like, we're going to get into all the feasts, and every one of them are a type showing Christ. It's so awesome. You never know it, but you just, you got to look and you'll see it. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about? Now that I've completely proven my point and everyone believes what I think. As usual. Of course. What's that? A man convinced against his will is of the same opinions. Oh, I didn't of say that. Of the same opinions still. It's yeah. true. I mean, look, 
people have been debating this stuff for centuries, and that's all well and good, and you can. Go for it. I want everybody to remember this, uh, you know, just... just Welchianism. Just, <laughs> wow. I'm a Welcher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On a bet. Just remember you're saved by the blood and continue to study. And it doesn't matter if you agree with us or you don't agree with us. Just study and try mm. to open your hearts to something new. Open your heart. I, you know, I, I have four different places that I Googled different information on the Sabbath. Uh, you know, when you hear these things, don't take our word for it. Go Google stuff and Google the right places. Don't just Google anything. Uh, Google things, uh, look at books, try to study, try to get your own understanding. Google's uh, and then real questionable too. As, as, you, as, as you get Ask more understanding, you will duck, duck, go. get more understanding. You're right. I mean, you actually make a great point, Ralph, because we're called the burrows of Berea for a reason. We're burrows because <laughs> maybe not so much. Just remember, Christ was carried on a burrow, and we're going to talk about the burrow one day. I don't know if you guys know that the burrow that Jesus wrote on, most of the burrows have a cross of hair on their back. Have you ever noticed that? Oh, yeah. And we're, yes, they we're do, carrying they? Christ they through the world. And it, it carried Christ to into Jerusalem, was that donkey. And it was meant to be. And we're and hoping to carry him the into Bereans, your, your living Acts chapter 17, it says that Paul told them and read from the scripture, and they went home and they studied the scriptures on their own to see if what they said was true. And so you're right. Study it for yourself. That doesn't mean that we're right. You know, I mean, um, we're going to, you know, Tiziana just proved me wrong on something and taught me something, which was awesome. But I will change. I will change that view. If you show me something scriptural and teach me, I'll change my view. And, and when I say Eastern philosophy, I'm talking about Orthodox. Eastern Orthodox Church, yeah. Yeah. Well, Billy, thanks for sitting and listening. Yeah. And, you know. This telling. is a lot, this this one. Yeah, Did you yeah, like it? Yeah. 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 Just, yeah. Well, that's the beauty of these. You can go back and listen to them. That's why I wanted to record them in the first place. Because we have a lot to talk about, and then you're like, "What did he say?" Well, then go back, you know, go back and listen to it, and be like, "What did what, <laughs> what did he say? What what what? How about Ralph? What did he say? When well, why are him and Andy arguing so much? Jeez. <laughs> anyway, I, I love Ralph. I do too. I it's wonderful. I love it when you guys get into. It I a like bit. Andy because Andy comes prepared. He may be an atheist, but he's an intelligent atheist. He's he's an absurdist it's, guy. It's it's, it's I, not I guess that I am he, an absurdist. Yeah, he, he didn't just say I don't believe in God. He studied and decided that's not the way he was going to go, and he has reasons for not. There are some people that don't have a reason or anything behind it, and I think Andy uh, takes a look at these things that we do, and he studies them too, and I think that he's open <laughs> We're to- We're having one of those moments, Andy. Hey, that makes you blush. <laughs> <laughs> well, Enough about me. If, if anyone's going to change his mind over the course of, of Andy's life is going through something like this, because he at least puts weight towards this. I, 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 I appreciate- I appreciate it for what it is, and 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 it and it entertains me when I'm not getting lost. Yeah, it entertains me greatly, and I'm interested in if it. If there's nothing yeah. more that you get out of this, Andy, and trust me, your conversion is not of oh, any yeah, consequence to me. Like uh, you're my yeah, friend, yeah. I love you. Period. It is what it is. You know, I leave that up to God and you and everybody else. Whatever. I won't like you till you're an atheist. But go on. <laughs> well, <laughs> don't you mean absurdist? At least how absurd. But yeah. anyway, I uh, yeah. is that the Christian message was that Christ died for the ungodly in that he loved the sinner in the world yeah. and which is everyone right so yeah, sure so if I've, you can, I've said it before yeah christ you love hippie seems jesus good. right yeah, yeah. yeah. If you, jesus, but, but if yeah. you can if you can remember that he was being harsh to those that were religious that were trying to hold people under their thumb and he was loving to the people that were disenfranchised and gave them hope and that's what 
that's what I get out of it. I really see hope and I want people to know that. And so that's, you know, that we just wanted to study the Bible and, and learn it for ourselves. But one thing that I did learn is that Christ died for the ungodly, which is every single one of us, all of us. And so, yeah, that's it. That's really it. And if we're not loving one another as he loved us, then we're not doing what he told us. That's one of his, he says, I give you a new commandment. There's your new commandment. If you want to follow a law, guys, stop worrying about the Sabbath. Start thinking about what he says. If you want people to know that you're one of my disciples, show them by how you love one another. That was his commandment. And boy, oh boy, we got some work to do, guys. Yeah, it's hard. We do. That's right. I'm I'm gonna roll up tomorrow and just be like, Dad, I ain't working on Saturday. <laughs> Rick, because Rick said I didn't have to. Yeah, we could close the mail. <laughs> yeah. I literally said you could work seven days a week now. So I don't know what you mean. Like I'm gonna go yeah. tell your dad you can work on Sunday. <laughs> so anyway. he'll, he'll call up Rick at work on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Well, Billy, thanks for being here yep, tonight. Thank you, Ralph, Rick. Andy. Thank as you. As always, I appreciate Represent. it, guys. We're getting ready to head to Virginia Beach next week. We have got a big show. Uh, yeah. The people at Berean Bible Church who we steal and rob their notes from, but they tell us we can. So that's awesome. Um, we get to actually be with them. They're going to be giving testimonies. We're going to be hearing from David Curtis and Jeffrey McCormick and Bob Cruikshank and Michael Sullivan and Glenn Hill. And All these names I've heard. Yeah, yeah. And these people are amazing, loving people. And I can't wait to see them. They're going to be on the show. So we're going to be putting them on throughout the year, you know, the testimony. And we're doing a big um Roundtable on the Millennial Reign, which is uh, most of the questions that we get to the show are in regard to the thousand-year reign and the fulfillment, <laughs> and how can that possibly be? You know, we're going to get into that. We're actually going to ask some questions. Some of them will give answers. Some of them won't. We'll see. You know, we'll yep. see how it goes. But I'm not going to judge them. You know, at all. I'm just going to try to convert them to Welchianism. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I I love what they do. Those guys, they're awesome. And the fact that they give all this stuff away for free. Guys, go to BereanBibleChurch.org. It is a massive amount of stuff, and they give it away for free. You can read and do those resources. It's incredible. Check it out. And thank you all, Berean Bible Church, for letting us use those. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. And if you want to help us on Patreon, since Berean Bible Church gives everything for free, give us some money. No. <laughs> if you guys want to help, we have got some people that are actually wanting to donate. We give out our content early. And it's we have a lot of our own notes that we write. We're going to have some content Rick, that we record. Rick really... Rick really goes in on oh, yeah. uh, the planning. Yeah. 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 And the point is, it's not, it's, it's really, if you want to give and help, it's, it's really not like, not to me, it's not to Ralph. Like we're not interested, you know, it's it or Billy or whoever, but if, if you want more content, you know, I know that, um, we can put more time out, put more content out, you know, and it is what it is. It does have a cost. And if you want to help, we'll, we'll just keep on pushing in, putting more in. So go to uh, patreon.com forward slash the boroughs of Berea. And you'll see, you can become a mini borough. You can become a Brayer warrior. You can become a, one of the drove. Like there's all kinds of options. And um, yeah, it would be helpful. You can't and say then, I'm doing it for the money because I pay. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He does. exactly right. It's true. So anyway, um, I don't know. There's probably an ad that comes on after this, but some people are having a hard time finding it. So that's how you find no. it. Yeah. All right. I, I was. I will talk about that later. Yeah, maybe we can fix that yeah. some other time. Anyway. All right. Well, thanks, guys. We will talk to you next time on the Burrows of Berea. Cool. Boom. Hey guys, this is Rick from the Burrows of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. 
But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea. You'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys.